Recently, they found the sixth body. And they were surprised because this isn't from a, a, a mass murderer or something that happened on. These bodies had been there a long time. And they were placed there a long time ago, one at a time, in Lake Mead, which is just outside of uh, Las Vegas, I think. But the water level, because of the drought that's been going on there, the water level has dropped and dropped and dropped to a, that even though it actually went up a little bit this summer, it's still at like 28% of what it needs to be or, 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 or the full level. And you see what happens in when the water level gets low, all of a sudden things that are dead and buried start to come up. Mm, you got to hang on to what I just said. That when the drought hits you, when you're living in a drought, all of a sudden things that are unpleasant and dead start to come up. When you're living in, in, a, in, a, in a drought in your relationship, then all the bad stuff comes up. When you're living in a, in a drought with uh, uh, your, your words and how you're, you're, you're kind to one another, all of a sudden the other stuff starts to come up. And that's a true principle, and it's true spiritually as well. That when we're in a drought, when we're in an empty place, when we're in a place that is, is, is not filled with the presence of God, then the bad stuff starts to come up. But God has a promise, and God promises that he will fill us. I love Psalms 107. In fact, if you just want to do a devotion this week and just take Psalms 107, it's a great, great psalm. And it, the motif that runs through it is all about water. Over and over, you start to see it. And it, it, it is, it's, it's, it's actually written in these refrains. And, wh- and what, what happened, it says, when, when I was falling away, when I was in sin, when I was in chains, when I was actually in the grave, I cried out to God, and he delivered me. And he poured his, his water, his refreshing life into me. In fact, Psalms 107.9 is sort of the, the key verse that everything is built around. And look what it says. It says, he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Are you thirsty this morning? Are you really thirsty for the things of God? Are you thirsty for God to change this circumstance or that situation? Are you been believing in an area and you say, God, it hasn't moved. Are you thirsty for what God can do? His word is true. His word is true. He will fill you. He will satisfy every single longing, every single thirst, no matter what it is, no matter how you're hurting, no matter what, what you're going through. He is He is there to fill us. And this morning, I want to talk about that thirst. And I want to talk about how God can fill that. You know, sometimes one of the most common questions I get, especially when I'm teaching hermeneutics, which is how do we understand the Bible and how do we pull out things from the Scripture. And uh, people will ask me and they say, well, how do you you see that? And where's that? But one of the most common questions is, Greg, when you're preparing a message, how how long does it take? (laughs) Well, it's varied. Because when I, when I, when I first uh, started preparing, it, it was like, thir- what, 30 hours? <laughs> 30 hours. It was like w- way too long. Because I didn't understand what, after all these years, God has slowly helped me to come to grips with. It's never about preparing the message. It's about preparing the heart. And if, to answer the question, how long does it take? For to prepare a message as long as it takes for God's word to prepare my heart for what needs to be said and what God needs to do. It's always about what God does through me, 
You can, that's why Paul said you can take the fancy words, uh, uh, words that move and words that stir and words that excite, and you can just put all that aside because it's not about any of that. It's about the power of God. And the power of God always comes through a changed heart, something that's inside of us. Jesus taught this idea. And he expressed this principle in, in the foundation of verse that we want to talk about. And, and, and probably what I believe will be, there's a lot of them, so understand. But one of the greatest proclamations that Jesus makes, one of the greatest declarations that he does is found in John chapter 7 and verse 37 and 38. Let's, let me read this to you. It says, on the last and the greatest day of the feast, the festival, Jesus stood and said, In a loud voice, he was literally shouting, and we'll see why in a moment. Let anyone, let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow out from his heart. I love that verse. I love that proclamation. But it's even more important to understand where it was said, how it was said, and why it was said. Because you see, this was the uh, the, fe- the feast of tabernacle, and it was it it was there was celebration going on, and we'll talk about all of that later on. But at, at this moment, it was the eighth day of this festival. They knew how to party in those days. Come on, <laughs> it was the eighth day of this festival of the festival of the tabernacle or tents or booths to to focus on the fact that Israel, when they lived in tents, God still provided. And so it was the eighth day, and it was the greatest day. It was the solemn day. It was the day that the, the priests would walk out and, and with trumpets blaring, very uh, solemn trumpets. It wasn't like dancing trumpets. It was like, you, you know, what I, I won't do with the trumpet sound. I practiced it, and it was just so bad. I just can't do it. But you understand what I'm saying. Just hear in your head solemn trumpets blowing and the priests walking out. And then as they walked out, they had each one of them these gold uh, vessels filled with water and wine. And they would take him and they would pour it out in front of everyone on the altar. And all this would be going on. And at that moment, (laughs) Jesus crashed the party. He loves to crash parties. He always crashes parties. That's what he does. Uh, That's what he's done on Palm Sunday. That's probably another time he crashed the party. We'll talk about that around Easter. But he crashed the party and he stood up and said, no, 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 to me. Look at me. I know that's important. I know that's a religion that, we, that we, everyone's followed, but you got to see what that means. I am. Look at me. I am the one that can quench your thirst. I am the one that can change your whole life. And that's the focus we need to look at this morning. What is Jesus saying to me? What is he saying to you about your thirst, about your feeling, and about the result that that can change in your life? So last week I began a series called Seven Steps to Holy Holidays, Living Holy Holidays. And really my heart in this is that how do we live in the, muscle, in the middle of the hustle and the bustle, in the, in the middle of all the, the, the things that easily distract us for Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and all the important stuff, pageantry and everything is good. You go see the Christmas lights. We love doing that. It's, it's, it's all good. But in the midst of all that, how do I live a life? It's holy and right before God. How do I keep the right attitude when my family is my family? When it's so easy to look at Christmas and think of the lack instead of think of the blessing. 
And all these things easily distract us. How do we keep that focus? Last week, I started by talking about it all begins with honoring. You see, I believe that. I won't repeat that message, but oh, my goodness. If we learn to honor, really honor, really care for other people and give that honor, it'll change the world. It will change your family. It will change your Thanksgiving, your Christmas, and every holiday that you ever have. It will change everything. But this morning, I want to talk about moving from honor to the second step. And the second step is about pouring. It's about pouring. Now, we think maybe, and we get confused sometimes, that it's about filling. (laughs) It's about God, fill me. And it is, but it's really about pouring out and understanding that. So this morning, we're going to talk about bringing rain in spiritual droughts. When you're in a spiritual drought, when all of a sudden you're looking around and you're going, man, this is dry. Have you ever been really, really, really thirsty? Have you been working out or you're on a run or you are forgot your water? I don't know, but you're just like, no, it, you know what? That's all you focus on. That's all you can see. That's all you can think of. I just got to get water. <laughs> in, in all the movies when someone is, is dying of thirst and someone comes along, what do they say? Water. Water. <laughs> That's all I want. Water. And I want that for us this morning in our spirit. Is your spirit saying, God, I'm thirsty. God, more of you. God, I just need you in my heart. I need you in my life. Israel was in a drought because there was such sin in the land. I mean, they were in a bad spot. (laughs) They were in a bad place. And because of that, there was a drought. And it all climaxed. I don't have time to go into it all, but it all climaxed on this incredible scene on Mount Carmel. Elijah the prophet is there. And all the the wicked people. prophets serving Baal are all there and they have this they have this amazing moment where they call on to say whoever whatever God answers I will serve that God and that's not a bad thing because God will always answer you if you cry out and you say God if you're real do this God if you if if, if, if I need you when you cry out God will answer he you may not like always what he says but he always answers and so the the, the prophets of Baal cried out and nothing happened. And Elijah prayed and poured water. Again, we see this on the altar. And fire came down and consumed the altar. It always starts, you got to get this. Before we can move on any further, it always starts with fire. It always starts with fire. The Holy Spirit fell with tongues of fire. It always starts with fire. Fire is the conviction Fire is the change. Fire is, it says, don't live this way. Change your life. Be different. Don't act like that. Uh, Surrender this. It always starts with fire. And fire fell just like it did at Pentecost, just like it did on the early church. And after the fire fell, what was there? What was the feeling? See, fire's first and then feeling. Conviction first and then feeling, feeling of God's presence, feeling of the Holy Spirit coming out of them. It was an, an amazing moment of God feeling, of God pouring in it. And we need to understand how God does that. But so what happened is that after that fire comes down, they were still in a drought in Israel. They were still in a drought. There was still hadn't been rain for years. And so this is what the prophet Elijah turns and tells Ahab, who's a wicked king, and God still honors what he does. Come on, listen to the, the, the scripture and what it says. 
He says that, that he, in, verse eight, in chapter 18, verse 4, 41, he says, Elijah said to Ahab, Go, go, for there is a sound of heavy rain. I love that. There was nothing that Ahab heard. There was nothing there. He didn't hear anything. He, 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 I don't hear no rain. <laughs> but the prophet did. The prophet here, and, and, and I think, okay, God's trying to tell us something this morning. God is trying to speak to us this morning. What do you hear? How are you listening? Do, do you hear nothing? Do you hear silence? You hear God's not going to move, and God's not going to move on my behalf, and God's not going to bring healing in my life or wholeness or change in my financial or my job or whatever? Is that what you hear? God's not going to answer that prayer? Or do you hear silence, or do you believe in here for the sound of heavy rain that's coming? <laughs> and that's what God is saying. That's what God is speaking very clearly and loudly. I think to us this morning, I was looking out at my pool the other day, and all of a sudden, I looked up and said, hey, it's raining. It's raining because the ground wasn't wet yet, or I couldn't tell. But just because the little bit of rain started to sprinkle across the pool, and, I, and I'm thinking, hey, it's raining. You see, sometimes I think we settle for that, for just a light little rain, <laughs> you know, singing in the rain, you know, you know type of thing. You, you, I know I dated myself, but just bear with me. The point is, sometimes we just settle for the little rain instead of stepping back and saying, God, I hear the sound of heavy rain. Do you hear the sound of heavy rain for your family? Do you hear the sound of heavy rain for your finances, for your physical life that needs to change, for that miracle that you're asking God to do, for that answer to that prayer? Said, God, you got to move. you got to do this. you got to do Or Do you believe that? Or are you just saying, God, just bring a little bit of rain? I, you know what? Something inside of me is telling me God doesn't want to bring just a little rain. He wants to bring the heavy rain that will change your life, that will change your circumstances, that will change your attitude, that will change who we are, or that besetting sin that continually grabs us. God's going to sing heavy rain to wash that away if we're willing to, to trust him. You see, when, when you're dry and you're thirsty, you need to have faith and believe for the heavy rain. And I just want to challenge you this morning. Come on, believe for the heavy rain. Believe that God is going to do that. Believe that God is going to move. So Elijah had to pray for the rain. It was a drought. There was no rain. Fire fell. Oh, we like the fire. Fire fell. Fire's great. But the fire is only to set off the filling. The filling that is God wants to do in our life to change us. So Elijah got down on his face and he prayed and he said, God, send the heavy rain. And then he turned to his servant and said, go see the rain. And the servant came back and said, I don't see anything. Okay. So he put his head down again and he said, God, send the rain. And he sent the servant off and the servant came running all the way back and he said, I see no rain. You see, I'm convinced this, the reason that we don't know this servant's name and because Elisha became uh, the prophet after Elijah is because of this attitude <laughs> the servant says. Because I think after the third or fourth time, he says, there aren't, I'm tired of running. There are no rain coming. I, I see nothing. But Elijah kept praying. Elijah kept believing. And there's something that's powerful in that. And for the seventh time, he said, go see the rain. And he came back, and you've got to watch these words. Are, there your, are they your words? He says, yeah, uh, I don't see any rain. There's a little bit of cloud. It's as small as my hand. 
That's what he said. <laughs> and you're thinking, well, what should he have said? I'll tell you what he should have said. Something's happening. <laughs> Come on, Elijah. God is moving because I already see a cloud, and it's already as big as my hand. Same words, different heart. And is that what you're praying? Is, are you saying, God, you know, I don't see anything, and this isn't going to happen? Or are you saying, God, send the rain? Come on, move in my life, move in my heart, move in my family, turn things around. God, I'm believing for the heavy rain. Is that what we're doing in our hearts? See, Jesus came to the festival, but he came late. He, di he didn't show up at the beginning. <laughs> Everyone else did because it's eight days of nothing but partying. <laughs> and this was a celebration of celebrations. There's three main celebrations that happen in the, in the, uh, the life of uh, the Jews at that point, and this was one of the three that are the main ones. And this is the one that everyone came. It was the celebration. Even now, when they talk about the Feast of Tabernacles, if, if you go online and you'll look, and they'll tell you, man, it's a, it's a party, and it's, it's nothing but joy and celebration. And that's because they're celebrating everything God's done, the faithfulness of God, the harvest that God has brought in. And that's when they would come and bring all their harvest into the temple as well because of the faithfulness of God. But Jesus came late, not because he didn't care about it, but because his point wasn't about that. It was about something else. Because in, in the midst of all of the celebration and the dancing and the smiles and the, the horns blowing and everything and all of that celebration, you know what Jesus saw? He saw hunger. He saw thirst. He saw emptiness. He saw the people moving around. And acting like everything is fine, but he saw the brokenness. He saw the emptiness. And God sees us even when we're empty, and even when we're hurting, even when we're lifeless. He sees us. You know he's looking at you now. You know he sees you now. He sees your need. He sees the pain. He sees the struggle. He sees the dryness in our life. And he is here, as Psalms 107 says, to fill the thirsty. Feel the hungry, to change the circumstances in our life. You see, they were celebrating all this. They were celebrating, uh, but I sort of see the celebration sort of like the reason zombies never take over the world. Yeah, yeah, don't be talking to me about zombies. I just say the word and it blows up. I have it on mute. I don't understand. But let's see what God has to say. <laughs> this is the point. I think... The word I just mentioned, you can't do it, evidently. Zombies. The reason they don't take over the world in, in, uh, in movies is because they move so slow. It's just my theory. It's just my theory. Because I've seen a little bit of these movies. I don't really watch horror movies. But they're always moving slow, you know. They're always just like, you know, they're just doing their Frankenstein walk or whatever. They're never in a hurry to get there. And I think that's what Jesus saw. People just walking around acting like everything is good, but just being so empty. In the midst of all that, the trumpets are blaring. Everything is going on. Everything is, 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 is uh, just at the height of the moment. And Jesus steps up and breaks it all up and says, it's about me. And in the height of your pain, the height of your struggle, the height of your worry, and the height of your fear, and the height that you think, and I don't know if anything can change this. I don't know if anything can turn this around. Jesus is there saying, come to me. I am the answer. That's why he shouted. He shouted down the horns. 
the trumpets were blaring, and he shouted over them and says, no, no, look to me. It's about me. You know, in the Bible, it talks about Jesus or God declared things are good at the very beginning in Genesis. But it doesn't really say how God felt until about mm, the sixth chapter or so. And then it says when God sees all the sin, and very specifically, and right at the days of Noah, he said when he saw the, the violence that people had one toward another, he was grieved. The first expression or feeling that we know of God is grief because of the violence and the sin that was going on in the whole world. It says every intent of every man was evil. We're literally saying every thought that everyone had about other people was violent and evil and destructive, and it grieved God. What's fascinating is that if you go to the New Testament, you'll find another time God was grieved. Another time it specifically says, uh, or it says, don't do this, or it's grieved. And then that is when it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, which is God, by the way. Holy Spirit isn't just <laughs> floating around, you know, just an afterproduct of who God is. It's part of the Trinity, part of the three persons. And the Holy Spirit is grieved. Now, what makes the Holy Spirit grieved? You'll find it's the exact same thing in Genesis. Because if you, that's verse 30 of uh, Ephesians chapter 4. If you go to verse 29, look what it says. It says, don't, don't let any, watch these words, because <laughs> you'll never be able to leave here the same. Don't let any unwholesome talk or words come from your mouth. Any, any, any. Don't let anything, but only, <laughs> you see what's being said here? But only what is helpful for building up others according to the needs that it may benefit those who listen. <laughs> don't, don't let anything ever you say to anyone be anything but something that helps and builds up. And sometimes it may be the truth in love. I'm not saying that. It's not, but it should be in a way to build them up, to encourage them. In other words, and then he says, so don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So don't grieve God because what grieves God is how we treat one another, what we say to each other. And, and the New Testament example that we have or the New Testament thing is every word, every time, always should be what builds up, what encourages, what helps, what can I do, what is it that can be strengthened, and that will change the whole world. And that's exactly that, well, the way that we're supposed to live. And that is what Jesus is trying to teach us and try to help us understand when he says, come to me. It, it, because I, I, will, I will change your life. Come to me if you're thirsty, and I will give you water to drink. That's what Jesus is saying. But notice, it's always, it starts with understanding the fire comes, the, 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 and then come to Jesus, and then there's feeling. But after the fire and the feeling, we have to become the fountain. You see, for years and years, I used to look at this and just read it all wrong. I always thought Jesus was a living water, and Jesus said, come to me, and a living water will flow out of me. But that's not what he said. That's not what he said. 
What he said is that I'm the priest holding the vessel. You're the vessel. And out of you will flow living waters. You're the vessel. I'm the priest. And out of you will flow the fountain that, that, that keeps going and keeps going. Now, we can't have any of that until he fills us first. <laughs> Don't try to be a fountain without being filled. Because <laughs> you have nothing to give. But if we are filled with everything that he is and it changes all that, we're the vessel. We're the vessel. And you say, Greg, how do I do that? How do I actually be, be the vessel while I'm always encouraging and helping? And I think... 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 will help us because it's just one verse, but it's very, very practical. We're going to end this message on, on, on building a very firm foundation about how do we live? How do we become the vessel? Jesus is holding you, and if you're thirsty, he will fill you. In fact, that's the first thing that has to happen is we come to him, he fills us. After he fills us, then we become a fountain that flows out and changes everyone around us. How do we do that? How do we make a difference in other people's lives? Look what it says, First uh, Peter 3, 8. He says, finally, all of you, so nobody's excluded. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old <laughs> I am. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Wherever, all of you, every one of us. This is, and then he goes on, and in the Greek it's five Words, five words, that's it. Each one of these words is an action word. Each one of these words is meant to do something. So it says, finally, all of you, do these five words. Do these five words. I want to look at these five words just really quick to help us understand how do we live these five words. <laughs> finally, all of you be, be uh, like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, and be humble. And what does that mean? Here it is. Bringing rain in spiritual drought means becoming one. Like-minded. Now, we get this wrong. We think like-minded is we got to get together and think the same. No, that is not like-minded. And that's what we try to do. That's what churches try to do. That's what people try to do. We got to come on. We got to get together and all think the same. Don't. That's wrong because you, your thinking's wrong. And you get all of us together, and all of our thinking's wrong. Because <laughs> we think like humans. We think like who we are. We think selfishly. You know what he's saying? We need to all get together and have our minds transformed into his mind. <laughs> you see, it's not about us all get together and having this great mind power because we're all collectively and thinking together. No, no, no. It's about all get together and transforming our minds into his mind and living the life that he wants us to do. It's about that. It's about coming together. God wants to change your mind and my mind and everyone else's mind in time until we're all thinking his mind. And when we do that, wow, what God can do in us. Secondly, bringing rain in spiritual drought means becoming a bearer. Literally, the word is carrier, to carry someone. You, you know the story of the old, old story of the two footprints. Man's walking along and he sees two footprints and all of a sudden there's just one. And the man turns and says, God, how come you left me? How come there's only one set of footprints? And what does God say? That's because I was carrying you. Those are my footprints. And we go, oh, got it. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> but you know there's a second part to that. There's another story to that that we miss. 
Because eventually we get down and we start walking. And there's two prints, footprints in the sand. <laughs> one that you're making and one that someone else is making. And then we move on a little bit and then there's just one. And then Jesus follows back behind us and says, Hey, how come there's only one set of footprints? And what do he say? Oh, because he really screwed up. I thought he loved God, but he didn't. I thought he loved me, but he didn't. I thought he was a good guy, but he wasn't. You know, he stumbled. He got trapped in sand. Man, I, just, I mean, I, you know, I encouraged him. I told him to get up. I told him, don't be laying there. Don't be dying on me. We got stuff to do. I told him to do something, and he just couldn't do it. So I, I had to go on. Just serve you, God. I'm just serving you. Jesus says, how come there's only one footprints? Because you should have done what I did and picked him up. And so often that we just leave people behind. We just move on instead of understanding how do we become carers. The word literally means to bear someone's pain. Not to sympathetic, uh, not just, oh, I feel bad. Man, I feel bad. I, I wish it'd be better, but I got I to gotta move on. No, no, no. It means I'm going to carry and actually bear your pain. That's what it means to bring drought, to bring water to someone in spiritual drought. Third, bringing rain to in spiritual drought means we need to become a family. We need to become one. That's what it literally means. How do we, how, how do, how do we become one? These are real practical stuff. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than this. How do we become one? You know, you've heard the, the saying that blood is thicker than water. You know, we get that completely backwards. It does not mean what we think it means very often. Because we think of blood, you know, the blood of the, the brother and blood together, you know, our blood is, is thicker than, than, than anyone else drinking water or whatever. It doesn't make any sense because we got it wrong. But it's an old, old saying, and this is what it meant. The blood of fighting together, the blood of sacrificing together, where we bled together and sometimes dead, uh, died together, that blood is thicker than the water that comes from birth. It's thicker than family. So when God is calling us to be a family, it doesn't mean to just, you know, hang out and say, well, you're my brother and you're my sister and I'll get along with you. No, no, no. It means that we fight for each other, that we believe for each other. Bringing rain in spiritual drought means becoming a fighter. Means, means doing something for believing. Jesus, when he went to <clears throat> Lazarus, and he was, he was dead, and, and, and the, his sisters were crying. It says that he wept, but, but it also says that he was grieved, that he was moved. He was moved with compassion, which is the same compassion word here. He was moved with compassion. And this word literally means, it's, it's a Greek word that they would use if, if weightlifters would be lifting weights. You ever seen weightlifters? <laughs> and, they, and they explode in the weight, and they go, ah, that's the word. That's the word, <laughs> That's, the, that's what we have to do. We have to be able to be willing to say, ah, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to believe for something that God's going to do in your life. Imagine a world, a church, a life, a family that's living each one of these. This is what God has called us to. You see, you don't like the last one. It's the hardest. But it's the last word there. Bringing, spirit, bringing rain and spiritual droughts for other people because, remember, we're the fountain. We're what God pours out of us means becoming weak. That's what that word humble means, to lower yourself 
to understand, you know what? I need God to fill me. I need God to fill me. I can't do this without God. Only God can do this. And that's where we're strong. We're nothing without his feeling. We're nothing. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. It says, when I am weak, <laughs> then I am strong. Wait, am I weak or am I strong? Yes. When you're weak in your abilities and your talents and your brain power and your vision and your dreams and your desires, when you're weak in that, you're strong in everything God wants to do in us. See, the last picture is the priest pouring out the water with the wine in it. And when Jesus went to the cross and gave his life, a spear was plunged into his side. And the Bible says clearly that water and blood flowed out. So Jesus is not asking us to do what we cannot do, to pour out. I can't do that. I can't love him. I can't forgive him. I can't care. I can't reach out. I can't do that. He's not asking any more than what he did. When he says, I will pour you out and, and you'll be a fountain in living waters because I have been poured out. Blood and water poured out of him down that cross to cover the sins and the inadequacies. So you and I won't be thirsty. And more than that, there will become fountains for other people. You received the word this morning. Come on, give God thanks. Father, in the name of Jesus, allow your grace to move into every single heart. And God, if there's people here that are just dry, dry, dry in their spirit, they're so thirsty for you. I want them to hear the sound of heavy rain right now in their spirit, in their faith. Let them hear the sound of heavy rain. God's bringing rain. God's bringing this rain. God, bring the rain. Pour into my dry, thirsty soul. Cleanse me of all of my sin. Remove my failures, my inadequacies. God, I surrender my life to you. Fill me again with your grace. Fill me again with your love. Fill me again. Fill me again and again and again. So that I might become a living fountain with waters that you can pour out on a world that's lost and dying, that's thirsty for your grace. God, I'm praying that for each one of us, that that's our prayer. That's our prayer right now. That's our prayer for everyone watching online. And that, God, we will never, ever, ever, ever be the same.